Good morning and welcome to Kern Church. My name is Will and I'm the pastor. It's a joy to be with you all today. Here at Kern Church, we're committed to creating belonging and hope by connecting you to a life renewed by Jesus and deeply committed to other people. If you're joining us on our live stream today, I want to say a word of welcome as well. Thank you for being with us. I am so thankful that God is an everlasting God because um, source HDMI has no signal and um, really bad jokes can, we can do that all day. But, uh, we, you know, things were, our technology was working great um, before everybody got here. And then things just disappeared, and now that's okay. Uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. But God, in the midst of that, is still our everlasting God. And I give God thanks for that. With that, I'd like to say a, a word of prayer this morning as, as we ask God to, to be amongst us. And maybe we'll especially pray for our technology um, to, to, to that God will, will make a breakthrough there. God, I thank you so much for your presence. I thank you so much that, that you are the everlasting God in the midst of our doubts and uncertainties and anxieties. You are the one who shines through. And so I pray, oh God, that your spirit is blessed. And that as we worship you, you will pour out your Holy Spirit on each one here and open the hearts. We also pray for our connections, not just with one another, but our connections on all of our technology that this morning, that, that you will make a breakthrough there to be able to restore some of what is not working right now so that we can better serve you and better worship you with all that we are. You know, whenever you find yourself in, in the middle of a difficult period of life, it can feel as if God has abandoned you. Hopefully our, 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 our worship support team didn't feel abandoned this morning by, by the presence of God. But, uh, so, you know, sometimes it can just feel as if, as if God has abandoned you. Sometimes you find yourself in the middle of a situation in, in your life and it feels as if nothing else could go wrong. Have you ever been there like, oh gosh, not that again. I cannot believe there's something else piled on top of this time and again. Trial upon trial, hardship upon hardship, pain upon pain. And when it gets layered on one after the other, it can just feel as if God has abandoned you. And maybe you're, you're going through this right now. Maybe you're in the midst of a, a difficult diagnosis and treatment and, and you're like, oh, maybe this, this treatment is worse than the, than, than the fear of the diagnosis. Or, 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 maybe, or, or, or maybe you struggle with persistent pain that, that just won't let up and, and you want to get out and you want to do a hundred things, but your leg or your back, it just won't let you do the things that you want to do. It can be crippling at times. Or maybe the doctor prescribes you relief from your pain through a promise magic pill, but then that pill ends up taking control of your life or maybe the life of someone you know in ways that no one intended. Or maybe you feel that, that your pain and feelings of abandonment are rather pedestrian or, or just rather kind of mundane, and you're like, you know, I, I can't really explain it, but, but, but I, I struggle with things like low self-esteem or, or feelings of unworthiness or depression or, or anxiety. Uh, um, and, and maybe you, you struggle with these things that are, that are invisible to the outside world, and you're just like, you know, they're, they're really kind of mundane to everybody else. It doesn't seem all that big, but they're real to me. And, and, and you just feel that on the inside they run wild, but on the outside people may not 
not even know what you're going through. And on top of this, if you're going through a period of life like this, a time in your life like this, often there is, it can be a lot of guilt mixed in with it. You know, there is a bit of guilt when oftentimes when people, people feel that God has left them. Often people will feel that, that they have done something wrong with their faith and perhaps God is trying to punish them for not being faithful enough or strong enough by some preconceived idea on what living faithfully looks like. And, and believe it or not, these, when you're in the middle of these feelings of abandonment, it feels as if you're the only person going through it. But believe it or not, others are here. In fact, there is a long history of humans being very unkind to ourselves. A long history of people feeling alone in life and in faith. It's pretty common, especially or even with people that have a deep sense of faith and purpose. And, and if you're struggling to de- de- dealing with this, if you're struggling in life dealing with this now or maybe at some time in the future, I want to invite you to read the Psalms. Now, this is a very like spiritual thing to say, but, but if you're in the midst of, of, of feelings of abandonment and struggling, I want to invite you to read the Psalms because if you read the Psalms, you will find that time and time again, somebody has felt the same way. And oftentimes, the writers of the Psalms are not saying things that are flowerly or, or like trying to, to, to be Pollyannish about the way of life, but instead what they do is they just go from the depths of their souls and their pain and, and struggle and just kind of lay it out there, lay it out there in a form of prayer or a form of song. And one of these that, um, that, that I think captures this sense of abandonment and pain so very well is Psalm 22. And in Psalm 22, you may recognize these words because these are words that Jesus invoked when He was hanging on the cross. When Jesus was, was at the end of His life on earth and when Jesus was, was feeling the weight and the pain of, the, of all the world on His shoulders, He spoke and uttered these words from Psalm 22. My God, my God. Why have you abandoned me? Or why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you left me all alone? Why are you so far from, from saving me? Why, why are you so far from my anguished groans? My God, I cry out during the day, but you don't answer. And even at nighttime, I don't stop. Now, if you're struggling in the daytime, it's probably more true that you're struggling at nighttime. Even though sleep would be good, whatever your struggles are, they replay through your head time and again. I mean, this is real pain. And this is the type of of feeling that creates doubt. You know, could God even be there? Could God even still be there? That, That creates doubt if God could even still love you. Well, today we're going to conclude our message series on doubt. And I want to give you something that I hope and believe is just super practical with how to deal with doubt and how to deal in your life with difficult periods of, of loneliness or difficult periods in your faith and in your life. You know, for the past several weeks, we've been exploring a syllabus for dealing with doubt. We've been looking at, at different doubts and, and doubts about faith and science, doubts about, you know, does God even love me? Doubts about, you know, what is, what do, what is, what does faith even look like or why should, does the church even matter? We've been looking at this over the past several weeks. And what I hope for today, today, is I want to give you some, some final homework 
And, and I really hope that this will help you moving forward. The good news is that even though we find pain time and time again in, in places in the Bible, even though we find scenes of abandonment and doubt in the Bible time and time again, there is hope. You see, time and time again, not only do people find themselves feeling abandoned and feeling estranged, but time and time again, God reaches out and says, okay, I still love you. God reaches out and says, I've not left you. I am still there. And I want to share with you a time when Jesus' followers were facing this type of difficulty. They were facing this type of pain and anxiety and abandonment, and Jesus gives them a way out. And what I, what I think that you will find is that the way out that Jesus gives them is just super practical and something that you can do in your life when you face these times of struggles. And so if you, if you have your own Bible and you want to follow along, I'm going to be reading out of John chapter 14. And John is, is the fourth book of the New Testament. And John is what we call a gospel. It tells the good news of Jesus. And, and John is one of the four books of the Bible that tell the good news of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it tells about the life and ministry of Jesus. So if you want to follow along, just take a few moments to find this in your Bible or on your Bible app on your, your phone. And I'm going to share with you some of the background story, because what's going on here is that Jesus is about to leave his followers. Jesus is about to die. Now, his followers don't know that yet, um, but he gathers together with them on the Passover in a room, and they share a meal together. Now, if you've heard the story before, and, and you've, you've been involved with church before, this you might recognize as the Last Supper, as the telling of the Last Supper. When Jesus breaks bread, and, and they drink wine, and, and Jesus says some words that, that say that this is, this is what you can do to carry on. So this is where the idea of the Last Supper comes from. And, and one, uh, what is happening here is while they are eating and sharing in this meal together, Jesus lays out and he tells those that are closest to him, he says, look, one of you is about to betray me. One of you, there's 12 of them gathered, one of you is about to betray me. And they look over their shoulder and like, who's, who's that going to be? I, nobody's going to betray, betray Jesus. And then he said, not only am I going to be betrayed, but I'm going to be killed because of this betrayal. And, and then he turns to another follower, one who thinks of himself as perhaps the closest follower, and says, not only is somebody going to betray me, but you, you're going to deny that you ever knew me. So in my toughest hour, when all hope is lost, you are going to deny that you even knew me, and things are just going to break down. So basically, Jesus drops this bombshell of anxiety and uncertainty in the room, and he says, okay, things are about to get really bad. Things are about to get really bad. I'm going to die because one of you is going to betray me, and then you are going to not deny that you ever knew me because you're so scared. I mean, this is the stuff of nightmares. This is the stuff of, 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 of darkness, and it makes me feel pretty certain that Jesus and his followers would understand feelings of abandonment and feelings of doubt. Then Jesus says this to his friends and followers in John chapter 14. So after he's dropped this bomb of anxiety and pain, he says, don't be troubled. <laughs> That's really good. All, all, this, all this problem's going on in my life. All this pain is going on in my life. I'm worrying about all this stuff. And Jesus just says, don't be troubled. 
Trust in God, trust also in me. Other translations put it in a way that I really love. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. Then Jesus goes on to say this, in my Father's house there is room to spare. If that weren't the case, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And when I go to prepare a place for you, I will return and take you to be with me so that where I am, there you will be too. You know the place where I am going. So Jesus drops this bombshell of anxiety and and, and doubt and uncertainty in the room. And then he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And to me, that's just screaming, how am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to do that, Jesus? You have just dropped some really bad news into my life and into this room. How am I supposed to not be troubled? How am I supposed to not worry? How am I supposed to trust you right now? I mean, these are words that, uh, at least the words that, that John wrote in this, these are Scripture passage that I will often speak during a funeral. These are laid out as, as like one of the funeral texts that, that we read to help assure families and speak to the, the sureness of, of, of Jesus and the resurrection. And I, and I think that, that these words are also equally powerful for your anxiety. They're equally powerful in your fears, in your uncertainty, in your doubt. Because into this climate, into this climate, Jesus gives you these same words. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. When you're anxious, Jesus is there. When you're scared, Jesus is there. But instead of this, instead of not feeling troubled, instead of trusting in God and trusting in Jesus, instead of this, usually in the face of uncertainty and abandonment, people long for clarity and understanding. In the face of uncertainty and abandonment, people long for clarity and understanding. Have you ever done this? Lord, show me the way. Help me to see what's going on here. Help me to understand. Show me how to walk forward. People long for clarity. People long for understanding. Help me to understand, oh God. In the face of searching for clarity and understanding, I'm reminded of the words of Mother Teresa. And if you were with us last week, I shared about this story. If you weren't, don't worry, because I'm going to share it again because it was so, so, um, at least for me, profound. I don't want to presume that it was for you. But, but, but Mother Teresa, who, who many think of as this paradigm of clarity, she had clarity of purpose and goals in life, it looks like, from the outside. I mean, she lived her life devoted to Jesus, devoted to other people. And, and in the face of this, in the face of this, she comes out and she says, you know, clarity is the last thing that you are clinging to and you must let go of. Well, I don't like that. I want clarity. I want to understand. I want to see what the future looks like. I want to understand what tomorrow is going to bring. I want to know how my kids, like I want to ha- know how to do right by my children and my family. I want to have clarity and understand what's going on. But then Mother Teresa goes on to say, I've never had clarity. I've never had clarity. She says, what I've always had is trust. So I will pray that you trust God. 
As we search for clarity, as we search for clarity, as you search for clarity, as I search for clarity, we hear the words of Jesus, don't be troubled, trust me. Trust me. Really, trust me. And we say, no thanks. No thanks. In light of Jesus' guidance for His followers to trust Him, what are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to do this? Well, simply put, you're supposed to trust. And that's not really all that helpful. Because you don't need a preacher to tell you that this advice to trust Jesus, it's pretty simple, but it's not always that easy. It's not always so straightforward. Because when you look at what Jesus says, He says the one thing you need in your life is that you need to not be troubled. You need to trust to overcome. You need trust in your life to overcome abandonment, insecurity, doubt, and uncertainty. And the one thing you need in your life to overcome all this is trust. Trusting Jesus is the one thing you need in your life to find true security and escape from feelings of doubt and abandonment. But, and and, and I want to be very clear about this, trust cannot be self-generated. You cannot will yourself to trust. That's why I said, like, trust is to tell somebody to trust. It's simple, but it's not easy. And you don't need a preacher telling you that. You need it, but you can't make yourself do it. And so maybe you're listening right now and you're thinking, yeah, I agree with this. Trusting is really important. It's the one thing that's needed. It's the thing that's changed my life. I trust in Jesus and it saved my life. And if that's where you are today, I want to just pause and ask you to give thanks to God. Just to give thanks to God for that sense of abiding trust in your life. But, but maybe you're, you're listening right now and, and you're like, you know what, this is true. I, maybe I need to trust God. I don't really know, but I, I don't know how to do that. I don't, I, I, I don't really trust God. Maybe you feel abandoned by God and skeptical about this and, and, you're, bethink, and you're thinking, if, if trust is the answer, well, well I, I, you can count me out because I, how am I supposed to make myself trust if I don't already do this? I cannot will myself to be and to feel a certain way. I can't do it. Now, while Jesus' advice to trust me may not seem super straightforward, What I want you to tell you, and I think this is the good news part, is there are things that you can do to help transform your life into a life of trust. You cannot today will yourself to just trust. But you can do things in your life to transform your heart and and your life into a life of trust. And what I'm going to share with you comes from comes from one of my favorite books, and it's this book. Um, it's this book called Ruthless Trust by um, by all these other pop up things. But it's this book called <laughs> Ruthless Trust by by Brennan Manning. So if you see like these trees blowing over, that's the right book with some red on it. And uh, it's one of my my all time all time favorite books regarding faith. And and in this book. Manning talks about the human desire for clarity. He says, you know, I know people, people want clarity. That's what they want in life. But he, 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 he then talks about the human desire for clarity and the biblical calling to trust. And, and he says this, he says, craving clarity, craving clarity, we eliminate the risk of trusting God. He says, when we crave clarity, we just eliminate the risk of trusting God. Fear of the unknown path stretching ahead of us destroys childlike trust in the Father's 
active goodness and unrestricted love. Because you fear the unknown, because we want clarity, you, you, you withhold yourself from God's active love. You, you don't allow yourself to trust in this good God. And, and this is something that Manning knew firsthand, personally. You see, Manning was someone who knew about trust. He was a Catholic priest. He was an alcoholic. He was married and divorced. And most of all, he would say that he was a child of God. One time, in his own words, Manning said, I've been a drunk. I've been divorced. I've been sexually promiscuous, faithful during my marriage, but unfaithful due to celibacy, a liar, envious of the gifts of others, a priest who was insufferably arrogant, a people pleaser, and a braggart, which I am probably doing right now to give you the impression that I'm humble and honest. But by sheer undeserved grace, I've been able to abandon myself in unshakable trust to the compassion and mercy of Jesus Christ. And and let me tell you, I I have not always had this deep sense of trust. In fact, in my own life, I find this to be quite a difficult thing. It doesn't always appear super easy to me to trust. In fact, I think about this one period in my life where I was going through a particularly dark period of time as it related to things happening with my family. This was several years ago when things were just hard. I could tell you about them and you would be like, yeah, that was super hard and that was super dark. And um, I'm not going to right now just because it would make the whole thing a therapy session about myself. And we don't need to do that here. Um, you, you uh, you, You didn't ask for that. But it was this incredibly difficult time in my life concerning my family. And frankly, in the middle of it, I didn't see hope and I didn't see promise. I didn't know how I would be able to make it to the other side. I, I thought that, that all of my life was, was likely going to stop and end in the midst of this. Every single day was struggle. Every single day. And that's when God led me to pick up this book, Ruthless Trust. And it's a book that I had read before, um, but, but God led me to it again. And in this book, Manning establishes ways and a pathway by which you can learn to trust. You see, trust is the one thing that is needed, but it's the one thing in life that cannot be self-generated. You cannot will yourself to trust. But though you cannot make yourself trust, there is something you can do to learn trust. And in the words of Manning, what he says is that, is that what does lie within your power is paying attention to the faithfulness of Jesus. What does, you can't will yourself to trust, but what you can do is you can pay attention to the faithfulness of Jesus. And that's what you're asked to do, to pay attention to Jesus throughout your life, remembering His kindness. And it's remarkable if you consider it. So many times, people have looked towards Jesus with indifference and unfaithfulness, but time and time again, Jesus acts in faithfulness and in kindness. So this week, I want to give you one thing and ask you to do one thing. I want you to read your Bible. Now, some of you read your Bible on a daily basis, and you're like, okay, well, I can do that. But some of you have a Bible um, sitting on your, your nightstand or on your, your, your bedside table, which is a nightstand, or some other table you know, around your house, and it's got a nice layer of uh, you know, dust on it. 
And, and, and that's um, because you don't pick it up and you don't open it. Or, or maybe if you uh, usually, you're, you're more inclined to read your Bible on your smartphone, and uh, if you were to go to it, it, it would have to download. You know, if you don't use an app all that often on your phone, it will often like uh, uninstall itself from your phone to save space. And so maybe, maybe if you go to click the Bible app on your phone and, and it has to start downloading, you know it's been too long, okay? And so what I want to encourage you to do this week is to, to re-download that, that Bible app or, or just to open up your Bible and go to one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And, the, and once again, Gospels are just, it's just telling the good news, reading about the life of Jesus. And what I want you to do is I don't, I don't even care if you get through the whole thing, um, but I, I want you to, to read not just for information, not just for knowledge. What I want you to do is to read with a purpose. And, and as you read, make a list. Make a list of every single kindness that you find in Jesus. As you read through one of, these, one of these four books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, make a list of every kindness you see in Jesus. And make a list of every way that Jesus is faithful. Attend to the faithfulness and kindness of Jesus. And maybe that sounds strange at first, but, but as you read the Bible, you will see ways that people are, are not so faithful and not so kind to Jesus, but you will see Him speak out and do things that provide kindness and faithfulness and love towards other people. And all I want you to do is, as you read the Bible, look for and make a list of that kindness and that faithfulness. And that's, and that's your homework, okay? I just do that. Um, but as you do that, ask yourself one question. Could I actually trust this guy? Could I actually trust this guy? Now, now, now not ask yourself the question, could I trust this guy, Jesus, with my preconceived ideas of, of who Jesus is or what I read about in church or hear about, hear about on the radio, but just look at the kindness and the faithfulness that you make note of in the Scripture, the goodness of Jesus that, that you make note of as you read through the Bible, these accounts, firsthand accounts about the life of Jesus, and ask yourself the question, could I actually trust this guy. And as you attend to the faithfulness of Jesus, as you attend to the kindness of Jesus, trust will form in you. Trust will form in you. And if it doesn't, call me out. If it doesn't, call me out. Call me up. Send me an email. Tell me, Will, you're a liar. It didn't work. And maybe I'll, I'll tell you, I'll ask you, well, did you do the exercise? Did you do the homework? Did you, did you read? And if you say, yeah, I did it faithfully 100%, I'll, I'll, I don't know where we'll be from there. Um, but, 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 but just attend. And if you really attend to the faithfulness of Jesus, you will begin to trust Jesus. If you really attend to the kindness of Jesus, you will begin to trust Jesus. And maybe you will see not just kindness and faithfulness written about in these stories about Jesus, but then you will again be able to see kindness and faithfulness in your own life, of Jesus working in your own life in times past or even today. And you begin, begin to see where your security and your hope can really be found. Now, I want to give you a warning. As you do this, your anxiety, your doubts, your uncertainty, they're not going to magically disappear. But you may begin to feel that you're less troubled by them. 
as you do this, the trouble that you faced will not magically be erased. But you may find that your trust in Jesus allows you to feel more secure in the midst of whatever storm life is throwing at you. And if you make these investments in trusting Jesus now, and maybe you're not going through a hard time, and if that's so, thanks be to God. But if you make these investments in trusting Jesus now, you begin to form your heart, the image of love and security that God desires, and this will build your, your resilience muscle, your trust muscle. And so when you encounter those difficult and painful things in life, you will have a reserve of trust and resilience built up on which you can draw. Here's the thing about trust. When Jesus says, trust me, When Jesus says, trust me, it's not because He's mean. It's not because He doesn't want to fix things. When Jesus says, trust me, He asks you to do this because He loves you. He loves you. Jesus loves you. God loves you. He created you in love. He he cares for you in love. And it is because that God loves you. It is because that God is on your side that God wants you to trust. To trust Him. Brennan Manning captures the depth of this love of God, I think, at the very end of his book. When he says that the splendor of the human heart which trusts God, the splendor of the human heart which trusts that it is loved by God, gives God more pleasure and delight than Westminster Cathedral, than the Sistine Chapel, than all other human glories combined. When, when you place your trust in God, it gives God more pleasure than any beautiful church ever created, than any cathedral ever created, than any work of art ever created, because trust is the preeminent expression of love. Thus, it may mean more to Jesus when you say, I trust you, than when you say, I love you. Trust. So dear friends, attend to the faithfulness of God. Attend to the the trust of God. And that's what I'm going to pray for as I invite the band to come back up. And and, and we're going to sing in just a few moments about the goodness of God. The goodness of God that is so, so good, so, so faithful. So, so true. And I pray that, that, that as we sing about the goodness of God, that, that, that your heart and your life will be pointed into a way to where you can attend to the faithfulness and goodness of God in your life. And that can then bring trust. Trust. Trust in Jesus who says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are good. I thank you that I don't have to look far to see your faithfulness and and goodness and kindness. I thank you for the times in my life when I thought all hope was lost, but yet but yet you showed up. And you saved me and brought me hope. Help me to trust in you for my future. And I pray for each one who hears these words, whether they're here in person or online, that that You will help them trust in You. That You will give them the courage to to download the Bible app, to, to, to read and open a dusty Bible, and to search for Your goodness and Your kindness, and then to ask themselves, can I trust You? Can I trust this guy? 
And I pray that you will will pour upon their hearts trust. Trust in you. Because it is indeed the one thing that is needed. Amen. God, you are faithful. You are so, so good. May each life sing of your goodness and create in our hearts a spirit of trust. Dear ones, may you be blessed this day with the goodness of God and may trust form deep in your heart and all in your life. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out to Kern Memorial United Methodist Church or see entire services, you can visit our YouTube channel, Kern Memorial United Methodist Church, and remember to like and subscribe for updates. You can also visit us on our Facebook page at Kern Memorial United Methodist Church. Thanks and have a blessed day.